Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you, providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, President of Senior Care Consulting. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. Senior Care Live is the nation's premier radio program, providing information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. This is a safe place to get accurate and reliable information you can absolutely count on. Each and every week, we discuss important issues such as how to remain independent in your own home, how to find the right senior care community, how to pay for the high cost of senior care, and legal issues involving elder law and estate planning. We also discuss senior-related health issues and how to care for the caregiver. As always, if you have a question, you can reach us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. You can also visit online at Senior Care Live, L-I-V-E, SeniorCareLive.com. And uh, I'll tell you what. Fasten your seatbelts. This is a special episode of Senior Care Live, and the core category that we will totally cover today throughout the entire time frame is elder law. We'll touch on estate planning, but the primary focus today is elder law with my longtime friend and incredible elder law attorney, Mr. Bill Hammond. He is the president and founder of KC Elder Law. And Bill, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Ah, Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. And I got to tell you, you and I have seen a lot of things over the years, and I am amazed over and over again the reach that this show has. So I'm thrilled to be part of it. Thank you so much. And uh, and, and we had to kind of figure out our schedules because the, the law firm is super, super busy and you're you're helping a lot of people. And so thank you for the, the work that you do. You're very welcome. Like I said, great to be here. All right. So if you want to reach out to Bill and uh, the incredible staff at KC Elder Law, you're going to want to write this number down, 913-338-5713. You can also visit online at kcelderlaw.com. They have offices in Overland Park, Lee Summit, and Kearney, Missouri. And uh, and, I, and again, I promise you, you're going to learn a lot. So, uh, Bill, let's just start off with uh, 101. What is the difference between estate planning and elder law? Because sometimes they're those terms are used kind of interchangeably, but they're very different. Sure. And, you know, Steve, when someone talks about doing their estate planning, and these are the types of things that we hear where someone says, yeah, you know, I've got to do a will. Maybe I need to do a trust. Maybe I just simply add someone to my bank accounts. 
Maybe I do a beneficiary deed, all those things that have to deal with what happens when I die. And, you know, that's a really important question. And then people are concerned, you know, okay, so I want assets to go to my loved ones or whatever. How do I avoid probate? Not exactly sure what it is, Steve, but we got to avoid it. I hear that all the time. Right, right. You know, and then the elder law side of it comes in. So with an estate planning question, we're really asking and answering typically the question, what happens when I die. When you die. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. From an elder law or elder care perspective, mm-hmm. in addition to what happens when I die, we've got to ask and answer, yeah, but what if I don't die, but become sick along the way? Mm. Because if you think about it, Steve, you and I both know if someone's struggling to stay at home and lots of times most of the caregiving is provided by the families, sometimes the families can't do it. They bring in home health and, Mm -hmm. you know, in this area, it depends on the level of care, but $20, $22, an hour gets to be pretty expensive and, and it's really, really important. So then some of our clients get to the point where they cannot stay at home. They might move into an assisted living. Think of that like an apartment with additional medical services, help with those activities of daily living, eating, bathing, toileting, transferring, dressing, incontinence, you know. And in this area, again, Steve, all over the board, eh, $6,000, $6,500 a month, yep. some more, some less. And then, of course, for some of our clients, they get to the point where they need nursing care. Mm-hmm. And nursing care in our area, $7,000, $7,500 a month. And all of a sudden, if we're facing that, if we haven't taken care of that elder law situation, that question, what happens if I don't die but get sick? By the time we finish that caregiver's journey, there might not be anything left. And that's why we've got to tie it all together. Absolutely. Okay. That that makes perfect, perfect sense. Estate planning, what happens if you die? Elder law, what happens if you don't die but become sick along the way? How do you plan for that Uh, financially as as well as providing the care part? Absolutely. That makes makes perfect sense. Uh, So why should a family... Uh, work with an elder law attorney to help them through some of these things? You know, it's a great question. And you know, there's that old saying, Steve, when going through a minefield, you want to follow someone who's been there before? (laughs) Step by step. (laughs) Step by step. Because in, in this area of the law, if you take the wrong step, you might just find yourself in a really bad situation. And, and, and here's the bigger problem. A lot of this stuff, Steve, is not intuitive. And by that, I mean, you know, you would think, well, I'll just look it up. I'll Google it and I'll look up what do I do if. Mm -hmm. Problem is that lots of times you don't even know what question to ask. And if you don't know what question to ask, then how are you going to know what answers to trust? Yes, absolutely. And and Google is a wonderful tool. Uh, but I mean, how many times is oh we could just we'll just Google elder law and uh, and uh, if if it if it says how to do it on the internet, then by golly, that's what we'll do. Yeah, and <laughs> and then to make it a little more complicated, Steve. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when we get into some of these elder law issues, they can also be state by state. 
So sometimes mm-hmm. what's one way in Kansas is different from another way in Missouri and for our listeners. And then you go beyond that. So I go to Professor Google yep. and I put in my search term and I come up with a good answer. I might have just found what works in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. or Wyoming, right. or Hawaii. Yeah. that yeah. has nothing to do with Kansas or Missouri or vice versa. So got to be real careful. Okay. And then what about uh, some of these uh, uh, online documents where, you know, for the, the low, low price of 1995, you can get your, you know, your will in a box or your estate plan in a box. <laughs> it just, it, same thing, right? It's, it's generic and it's not state specific. That, and that's it. And, and, and there's a, there's a lot of issues. I will tell you that uh, sometimes they're a good place to start. They get you to ask the right questions. Okay. If you have a situation that is at all complicated, then you really need to have someone help you figure out exactly what you need to do in your particular situation. And when we sit down with clients, um, you know, it's not uncommon, Steve, for me to sit down and, and maybe spend an hour and a half, two hours with a family. Because if I don't spend that amount of time, I don't have near enough information to even begin to give them, you know, solutions. So you've really got to dig in, figure out what's going on with that family. A lot of these uh, issues are really nuanced. And those are the types of nuances that are not going to come through in this, uh, you know, little packet that you get uh, on the internet. When you were explaining that, it kind of dawned on me, um, doctor, my left side hurts. (laughs) Uh, So Google uh, left side hurts and you've got about 50 different things. I mean, so you'd have to sit down and and visit with your doctor and your doctor would ask some very focused and informed questions to determine or to really narrow what's wrong. And so there's a diagnosis. And this is a very similar thing that an elder law attorney would do uh, for a person's unique situation. That's exactly right. And then very frequently, not only are we dealing with, you know, doctor, my left side hurts. Not only are we dealing with husband or wife, but then we're also dealing with the kids or grandkids. And we've got some family issues that we need to be aware of. We've got things like family dynamics. We need to know what's going on with the kids. Are the kids in town? Are they out of, you know, out of state? You know, are we in a situation where we're going to be relying on them for care? If we're going to be relying on them for care, then, you know, how long are they going to be able to do that? Where do we bridge the gap between in-home care and some of those other things we talked about? Yep. All right. Mr. Bill Hammond, president and founder of KC Elder Law, 913-338-5713 or online at kcelderlaw.com. Bill, I was wanting to talk about uh, power of attorney documents, and uh, maybe we could just touch on that and then conclude that or wrap that up after the break. But uh, what is, generally speaking, I mean, what is a power of attorney document and what are the what are the primary types? Yeah, so this is something, Steve, that um, going to be real important for people to stay over the break because yeah. I actually think it's the most important thing you can do. Okay. Of Everything we're going to talk about, a good power of attorney. In fact, Steve, it's what I call a powerful power of attorney. Okay. And there's two different kinds, primarily mm-hmm. one for finances, one for healthcare. Okay. So we need to discuss what are the differences? Who do we name? What are we doing with these documents? What should they look like? All those types of things. So you've hit on to a topic that frankly is near and dear to my heart. And after the break, I'll tell you why on their 18th birthday, every one of my kids came into my law office. 
my kids need to come into your law office, by the way, <laughs> for uh, for that for that very thing. So, all right. So after the break, and and you heard Bill, we have two primary types of power of attorney documents. You do not want to miss that part of the conversation. But first, let's not forget the Senior Care Live question of the week, and it's regarding power of attorney. The person granted the power of attorney can make decisions for their loved one while living and after their loved one passes away. Is that statement true or false? We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to reach us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, you can stream this program to any electronic device super simple go to seniorcarelive.com click on the big microphone right there on the home page or the listen live button give it a few seconds to connect and then it'll start streaming to your phone your tablet your computer whatever you have and it really is that simple right back to the senior care live question of the week and this is regarding power of attorney the person granted the power of attorney can make decisions for their loved one while living and after their loved one passes away. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... False, Steve. While they certainly can make decisions while living, the power of attorney expires at the death of the person who gave it. Period. Period. It, and that's and so many people think that they can continue making d- decisions, but, but you cannot do that. Because well, it, Steve, first of all, I'm a lawyer, so I can think of exceptions. <laughs> so, yeah. so little tiny exception, yeah. healthcare power of attorney, you still might have the ability to to move the remains. Okay. okay but, yeah. but by and large, it ends at the death of the person who gave it. There's always a little gray area in everything, isn't well, there? Well, there is. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just how it goes. And, and that that's why you're a good person to know in, in these situations. So, Thank you. Uh, Bill Hammond, president and founder of KC Elder Law, 913-338-5713. Offices are in Overland Park, Lee Summit in Kearney, Missouri. You can go online at KC Elder Law. Dot com And uh, let's get back to the power of attorney documents. So you said that there are two primary and one was for finance and one was for health. That's right. And we also have a question that we left hanging. I said, remember, <laughs> I was going to tell them why on their 18th birthday, oh, yeah, yeah. every one of my kids came into my law office. Okay. So we'll cover that too, Steve. So yeah. first of all, uh, there's a financial power of attorney, and that's a document that says that I am giving someone permission to make decisions for me regarding finances, you know, real estate, taxes, bank accounts, those types of things. And Steve, powers of attorney are paradoxical. 
By that I mean, it's kind of funny, you would think if I said that I, Bill, give you, Steve, the ability to do anything from a financial perspective that I could do on my own, it would sound like I just gave you a whole lot of authority. Yeah. But really, I didn't. I gave you almost no authority. With powers Hmm. of attorney, you have to spell it all out. So you need some detail examples of when you can exercise that. That's right. And so when I see these powers of attorney that are two or three pages long, typically they don't cover a whole lot. When we do a power of attorney, we would do what I call a powerful power of attorney. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe 20, 25 pages long. From an elder care perspective, you got to spell it all out. Okay. The other kind of power of attorney, Steve, is what we would call a healthcare power of attorney under state law. As long as I can make my own healthcare decisions, I always will. But if I can't, I name my spouse, my kids, someone to make healthcare decisions. And then what we probably would also do is we probably would also do what we call a living will. Okay. And that's that document that says if I have an incurable injury or disease or illness where I'm not going to get better no matter what, that I don't want to be hooked up to life support or I do whatever my wishes are. And the combination of those, Steve, the combination of the healthcare power of attorney plus the living will are what we call advanced directives. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. That makes, that makes total sense. And I can't, and I know you've seen this way more than I have, but I can't tell you how many times I've talked to someone and we're talking about finding a care community for their loved one, but we start going through all of this stuff and, and how many times a family has one of these one page power of attorney documents and they said, you know what? We can't even pay dad's bills. We can't pay his invoices. We can't, uh, we can't authorize charges to the nursing home or whatever, because the bank won't, won't talk to us because our power of attorney, they said, fall short and it's not thorough enough. That's exactly right. And it also, Steve, has to be durable. The word durable means that it continues to remain effective if the person who gave the authority becomes incapacitated. Okay. So who needs a power of attorney? Hmm. Remember those kids I talked about? I have five kids. Yep. On their 18th birthday, every one of them came into my law firm and we did financial and healthcare powers of attorney for them. Why? Well, because up until the age of 18, my wife and I could make decisions for them. Once they hit 18, they are adults. And the law says if they haven't done powers of attorney, they must have meant not to do them. Mm -hmm. In reality, people just don't think about it. Okay. (laughs) But the law says they must have meant not to. And so take this into account. If you and or your spouse have not done powers of attorney, naming each other or someone, you know, then you just think, well, hey, we've been married for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. We just make decisions. Too bad. The law says you can't make decisions for the other if you haven't given those powers of attorney. On top of that, for our audience, everyone out there listening who has kids, grandkids, great grandkids, just went off to college. If they're over the age of 18, they need to have good powers of attorney in place. All right. And then speaking of power of attorney documents, what if someone has Alzheimer's or dementia and they need to authorize power of attorney documents? Uh, Is it too late? It's not too late, Steve, but it depends. It it would be a a case by case, uh, fact by fact situation because they would have to have what we call um, capacity 
or the ability to make decisions, uh, sometimes in an interval of lucidity, the, the ability to, to actually give someone power of attorney. And frankly, sometimes it's a really close judgment call, and sometimes we have to bring in a psychiatrist or a psychologist in order to do some testing to figure out whether or not they can still give that power of attorney. Okay. All right. You heard it from Bill Hammond, 913-338-5713. If you have questions about power of attorney documents, you definitely need to reach out. And now, myth versus fact. All right, Bill, we're going to hit these in about a minute. We'll go pretty quick. Uh, One myth or a commonly held belief is that you have to sign your house over to the nursing home before you can qualify for Medicaid. What is that's a myth. What is the fact? The fact is that's absolutely untrue. Next. Okay. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Close the door. Uh, Here's another myth. You cannot get Kansas Medicaid if you are a Missouri resident. Is that, that's a myth. What is the fact? Yeah, the fact is, Steve, that uh, Medicaid would be tied to the residence of the applicant and someone could have been a lifelong Missouri resident or vice versa. And when they move to Kansas, if they are establishing residence, which means presence plus an intent to remain, then they become a Kansas resident and they can qualify if they meet all the other requirements. Okay. And then you kind of proactively uh, uh, took care of my next myth. Uh, if you're from Missouri, you ha- you must, and I've heard this a million times, you have to move to Kansas and live there for at least three months to establish residency. So that's, that is a myth. So you can move to Kansas. If you have the intent to stay, then you are a Kansas resident for Medicaid application purposes on that very day. Physical presence plus an intent to remain physical presence and all right so that takes care of it uh and then the uh, last myth you must use your entire spend down amount to pay for nursing home care you cannot use it for any other purpose that's absolutely not true it can be used for anything that benefits either the nursing home resident or his or her spouse all right you heard it myth versus fact and that is a fact For more information about the facts, stay tuned to this program or contact Senior Care Consulting at 913-945-2800 or visit SeniorCareConsulting.com. All right, we're going to have a whole lot more right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by. 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to reach us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, if you ever miss an episode of Senior Care Live, live maybe you want to share this program with family or friends and maybe like this really important show, maybe you want to just go back and listen to it again, take some notes. No worries at all. Just go to SeniorCareLive.com, click on the podcast tab, and that's where you'll find all of the previously aired episodes. Just find the one you want. Again, 
Click the play button a few seconds to connect and it'll start streaming to your electronic device. All right, back with my friend and special guest today, Mr. Bill Hammond. He's the president and founder of KC Elder Law, 913-338-5713. They have offices in Overland Park, Lee Summit in Kearney, Missouri. Also online, KC Elder Law. Dot com. And Bill, we're, we're covering a lot of ground today, <laughs> so uh, we'll, uh, there's so much to talk about. We could talk for a week on this, I think. <laughs> but uh, who who needs a will and what is a will? Yeah, yeah, great, great question, Steve. So basically, the last will and testament is that document that says, when I pass away, this this is where I want my assets to go. And, you know, we've all watched enough TV oh. and, we, <laughs> you know, and, and someone passes oh. away and they all gather in the lawyer's office for the mm-hmm. reading of the will. Oh. And it's, it's all dramatic and all this. And, and I have to tell you, I've done that a few times, but yeah. most of the time when you talk about a will, what people really say is, you know, I, I, I know where I want my assets to go, but I don't want them to go through probate. And yeah. earlier we discussed that. Lots of people don't know what that means. Yeah. But I did want everyone to know that anything that goes through a will actually goes through probate. That's an automatic. That's an automatic if it goes through through the will. So the will is a set of instructions. Okay. It says in the event of my death, everything to my wife or her to me, second death on down to the kids. And it makes sure that those assets get to where they're supposed to go. So it would be an important statement of your intentions and a really good, important thing to have. Now, can't if it goes to probate, can, can that will be challenged? You know, anything could be challenged, okay. a will or a trust. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we live in a litigious society, yeah. so I, I wouldn't say that a will is more susceptible than a trust. Okay. The answer is it could be. Um, we don't see that very often, but it's possible. And there are extra, a lot of extra costs involved with the probate costs. Yeah, there there are. And, and there's not only the extra costs involved, but a whole lot of people, you know, it's a, it's a ponderous process takes a while yeah. there's certain statutory you know time frames and it stretches out for months and months and you know it, it people like to avoid that and and so often we help them avoid that and one of the ways we help them avoid that is is through a trust so what is a trust and who needs one <laughs> yeah 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 so so the the trust is the document that says and 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 for our purposes today Steve because yeah. there's a lot of different yeah. trusts and so we don't have time this that'll be for that week long discussion yeah, right. we do later but, <laughs> but but for today's uh for today's episode what we're really talking about is what we would call a revocable living trust okay and that would be a trust where you set it up perhaps my wife and I set up a trust we are both what we call grantors that's we're the ones who set it up okay we are trustees. We're the ones who manage it. Okay. We have total control. We're giving up no control whatsoever. And then that trust might say, in the event of my death, everything to my wife or vice versa, at the second death, on down to our kids. And one of the things that my clients like about that a whole lot is, number one, it's private. It's just amongst the family members. Yep. Mm-hmm. And number two, anything that's going through that trust does not go through probate, and it can be handled quickly yeah. and inexpensively and assets can be distributed just way where you want them to go in a manner that works for everybody. This seems like a no-brainer <laughs> to, to have a trust versus a, a will at, at some point in your life. You know, it, it is, Steve, I will tell you this. I run into an awful lot of people and they say something like, well, you know, we did a trust years ago. We're all set. 
Yeah. And it was a good thing to do. Yeah. You know, when they did it. Um, but what we find is that lots of times that trust was set up to answer that first question you and I talked about near the top of the hour. And that is, what happens when I die? And that's obviously a really, really important question. Mm -hmm. And in the event of my death, this is where I want my assets to go. Great. But unless they've had the trust done uh, probably recently or perhaps by an elder law attorney, Mm -hmm. um, they may not have the language in there which deals with, and what happens if I don't die Mm -hmm. but become sick along the way? Yeah. Because as you and I talked about, if someone needs long-term care, we're spending six, $7,000 a month or more. If we don't take care of that second question, what if I don't die? Then by the time they pass away, there may not be anything left to pass on down to those kids. Okay. And I've heard uh, a lot of horror stories, frankly, of uh, a person who has a trust. Uh, maybe it wasn't written correctly. Maybe it was written a long time ago. It doesn't have some of that language. Or maybe it just isn't flexible enough to make any changes uh, have you seen yeah. that before? Well, or maybe their situation's changed. Yeah, okay. You know, they set up a trust. They've got kids who are younger kids, and they think, well, I've done this, I've taken care of it, and I'm I'm finished for life. I don't have to worry about that. And then as they go through their life, you know, he develops um, Parkinson's, MS, Alzheimer's or something. It changes everything. Yep. And people don't stop and think, boy, does this mean something should happen differently? I'll give you an example. This is made up, but let's pretend I, Bill, have Alzheimer's uh-huh. and let's pretend my wife is my caregiver. Okay, We may have set up a trust years ago and it said in the event of my death, everything to her, event of her death, everything to me, that makes sense. Yep. If my wife is my caregiver and I pass away first and leave everything to her, that probably is right. What if she's my caregiver? What if she passes away first and leaves everything to me? And, and what if I now need long-term care? And now you're not competent to make decisions, That's potentially. right. And we just put all of our oh. assets <laughs> smack dab in the middle of my healthcare costs. Oh, boy. So when yep. so when things happen, when when situations change, it's important to have these documents looked at. And that's why I usually tell people, you know, just rule of thumb, Steve, three to five years, you ought to be looking at them. Or if there's been a big family event, you know, someone's in an accident, has a stroke, a diagnosis, get your documents looked at. Yep, absolutely. All right, so, Bill, I'm going to shift gears and uh and we're going to uh, discuss medicaid and of course you've got a, a, a lot of a uh, lot of misinformation out in the marketplace ladies and gentlemen your attention please this is a consumer alert consumer alert so in this consumer alert, I just wanted to, wanted to, to pay attention to, I, I think just really an attitude that, that a lot of, a lot of people have. Oh, you're just going to see an elder law attorney, uh, because you want, you want to throw all your costs and expenses onto the state so that you can, uh, uh, you know, a, avoid paying for that. But Bill, that is just, that's just, absolutely not true when working with a quality elder law firm like Casey Elder Law. There are very specific reasons why you might want to protect strategies and then and then and then apply for or uh, yeah apply for medicaid for the cost of the care yeah so let's give an example steve let's say that we've got a husband and wife and and one of them needs care they go through a process we call division of assets yep divide the assets the most 
the at-home spouse can keep is, I'm rounding off, about $126,000. And if they don't take good planning steps, then what might happen is, let's say the husband needs care, they might spend their assets down. If he passes away first, she will lose her Social Security. It would be common to have her lose half the assets to the Mm. cost of care, 40% of the income, and that's a real good recipe for poverty. Mm. So it's important in those situations that we look at this from a great big picture perspective and say not only how do we get him the care he needs, but how do we make sure that she can pay for it without going broke because she may have to live 10, 15, 20 years longer and we got to make sure that she's able to stay in the same neighborhood. Absolutely. And so just if you just think about it, I, I always like to say, and of course there are some, some kind of catches to this, uh, but when your spouse moves to the nursing home, their income goes with them. Uh, the, most of it, or maybe all of it, depending on the minimum numbers, et cetera. Uh, so the bottom line is, if you're used to having a family income of X dollars, and that income is, like you said, reduced by 40%, 30%, 50%, you still have the same mortgage, taxes, utilities, car upkeep, roof repairs. And so uh, you still want to you want to protect your opportunity and your capability of living independently. That's exactly right, Steve. And the other thing I would tell you is that a lot of people say, yeah, but my goodness, what's it cost to do that type of asset protection? I always ask, what is it going to cost if you don't do it? <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah, it can be everything or it can be a whole lot. So it's at least worth looking into. Absolutely. So, uh, so, so the consumer alert just just wanted to just just point out the uh, the the fact that there are opportunities. You work with Bill Hammond, Casey Elder Law, or your lawyer, or whoever you're working with, it makes sense. Spend the money to protect as much of your asset base so that the community spouse can continue to live independently and uh, and, and, and visit their loved one in, in the nursing home, et cetera. But the bottom line is you don't have to become impoverished due to the high cost of care of the spouse requiring the care at the nursing home level. Proceed with caution. This has been a Consumer Alert, brought to you by Senior Care Live. All right, Bill. So right after the break, which is coming right up, uh, we just like to talk about you know applying for Medicaid and asset protection. If you want to reach out to Bill Hammond, uh, definitely reach uh, reach out to him online, kcelderlaw.com or 913-338-5713. We'll have a whole lot more right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, reach us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. I'm speaking with my friend and special guest today, Mr. Bill Hammond, President and Founder of KC Elder Law. 
So, Steve, as we go into the home stretch here. <laughs> yeah. Time flies, right? Time does fly. And, 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 and I want to uh, talk to our audience for a moment about uh, the times that, that I so very often need your help. And I want to get your feedback on, on the situations that you see. So one of the things that I see all the time, Steve, is I'll have a client and perhaps they have some, some form of dementia, Alzheimer's, okay. whatever, and they don't know what level of care they need. They might need assisted living. They might need nursing care. They really don't know the difference. They don't know who takes Medicaid, who doesn't. And lots of times, Steve, as we're going down the elder care planning path from a legal perspective, Mm -hmm. I have my clients call you and say, okay, Steve, what, you know, what's the appropriate level of placement? Where should we be looking at? How do we find a place that's going to work? So how do you navigate that whole situation? Well, and first of all, thank you for your trust and in, in, in referring your clients to senior care consulting when appropriate. And, uh, and and it's always interesting working together because sometimes you will say, well, we need to set the legal plan in, in place, but you really need to find where you're going first. And then, so it's a, it's, there's a, uh, there's an order to that. So find the place and then, or, or sometimes it's, uh, it happens at the same time simultaneously. But uh, when I sit down with a, a family, I essentially conduct a geriatric care assessment. Mm-hmm. So I have what I call a care profile. It's a six, it's, it's pretty detailed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a six page uh, worksheet that I go through and I just ask a lot of questions and I, I understand what is involved and offered at assisted living and at long-term care. I understand when you need a memory care unit and when you do not. Uh, I understand the financial side of things and how to pay for each one of these levels of care or or both. Sometimes we may start in assisted living and then age in place into long-term care, whether we need Medicaid uh, certification or not. And all of that comes together in what I call the, the care profile. So I And that's essentially a geriatric care assessment plan plus some other pieces. Well, and and then the other thing, Steve, is sometimes uh, we have situations where you have to find what we would call a CCRC, which is a continuing care retirement community. And that's a situation where we've got mom and dad both moving and perhaps dad is needing a higher level of care, perhaps nursing care. Mom doesn't not want to be with him. So she might move into an assisted living in that same community. She can spend the day with him, then go back and, and rest up so that they're both getting the care they need all within one community and that can be a godsend for our clients well yeah thank you and um, I'm working with more and more clients who are doing just that. They're they're moving out of their home, they're downsizing, and trying to find uh, the right continuing care retirement community where we can check all the boxes that we need for not one but for two people. Uh, that that is the most complex search that that we do at Senior Care Consulting. And we do it every day and very sure. happy to do that. Sure. And and then what happens is lots of times we've got kids who are you know, doing their darndest to raise their families. Maybe they're even out of town. Yeah. They're worried about mom and dad. They can't be hands-on caregiving. They've got to find the right place. And so finding the right place in the way we've talked about is, is a wonderful thing for the whole family. 
All right, all right. Thank you, thank you very much. And uh, um, and I just I we're we're, we're set, we just celebrate our seventeenth year wow. <laughs> in business with uh, Senior Care Consulting, uh, getting ready to add some automated technology to the ah, process uh, that will make it uh, faster, more efficient. And uh, I, I just couldn't be more uh, uh, proud of that service. Well, it's it's an amazing resource for the community. So. Example, let's pretend I've got a husband and wife and they might look at their situation and they might say, well, he needs long-term care, nursing care. She's got to move and all of a sudden they're thinking, well, we can't spend, you know, $10,000 a month or whatever. Perhaps the right legal plan, though, will it allow them to sell the house, protect those assets, meet the spend down, have more than enough funds to provide for care for her while getting him qualified for the benefits he's entitled to, all done in such a way that the family knows that things have been taken care of. Now, I just went through something really quickly that's probably about a four-month process. Yeah. <laughs> right? But here's the yeah. bottom line. Yeah. The bottom line is that by doing that, then we have gotten them to a point of peace of mind for everybody, and they're well taken care of. And I'll tell you what, what you just described, uh, it could be a little bit of a, well, it is a, a process, but what you just described is is a home run where you have all of your legal affairs in order. The, both spouses can be together, even if they're different levels of care. Both levels of care are paid for appropriately, whether it's private pay, long-term care insurance, Medicaid qualification, whatever that might be. We've really taken care of that family literally for life. That's absolutely right. And you know, there are other situations, Steve, where say uh, the state, Kansas or Missouri, wants to encourage kids to keep their parents home as long as possible. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yep. So normally, if mom or dad were to give the house away, that would cause a penalty. Could be up to a five-year look back. But uh, under federal law, if the son or daughter moves in with mom and or dad, and if the child's care keeps mom or dad out of a nursing home for a period of two years, we back that up with doctor's letters and meet all the requirements. Then after that two-year period where the kids, one or more of the kids have kept mom or dad at home, the house could actually be given to that caretaker child with no transfer penalties. And that's the caretaker child exemption. That's exactly right. So it means that instead of causing a penalty, Son or daughter moves in, keeps mom or dad at home for a period of two years, give the house to the child, no penalty. It's win, win, win. Now someone's not been in care for an extra two years, helps the state, helps keep the finances down, and rewards the child for a really great act. Okay. And in about 30 seconds, uh, let's talk about a care contract. Sure. So lots of times uh, kids are caring for their parents and they think mom and dad can just write me a check. Doesn't work that way. If we have that situation, and this is crucially important, really need to talk to an elder law attorney and get a care contract in place that meets all the rules and requirements of the state so that we're not causing Medicaid penalties. We could spend a long time on that, but bottom line, if you're caring for parents and they're paying you, you need a care contract in place. Otherwise, if you don't, Medicaid could look at that and you and, and you need to move your parents to a nursing home. Medicaid will look 
at that and they will consider that a gift if you do not exactly have right. a care contract in place. Could keep mom and dad off Medicaid for a period of time. Could be a really brutal situation. Okay. And uh, in about another 30 seconds, uh, Bill, you have for years and years, you've offered uh, workshops to the general public. So how much do these uh, educational workshops cost? Yeah. So Steve, we, we generally do one a week and they are at no charge. And if someone wants to attend, all they have to do is go to kcelderlaw.com. can sign up right on our website, www.kcelderlaw.com. You'll have a whole list of our upcoming workshops. Sign up. They generally are about an hour long. And we not only cover all the types of things you and I have talked about today, but I always open the floor for questions. And I encourage people to ask me their most heartfelt questions right during the workshop. Okay, and these workshops are literally all over town. All over the metro area. North, south, east, and west, Kansas, Missouri, north of the river. Check out the workshops, the free workshops from KC Elder Law. Bill, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Steve. It's been great. All right. I'm your host, Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. I'll see you next week right here on Senior Care Live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.